darkness, I have faded. This flesh, a construct, a memory of the man I once was, a pale simulacrum, a comforting lie. I do not dream of the future, yet I wonder what keeps this flesh? What force might bind the spirit of intention to a world on the brink, a world beyond hope, a world without a future? Perhaps, like all things, the will is slow in the dying, a ragged beast clinging to its final moments with fervid intensity. Perhaps, as with the souls of mortals, the doom of oblivion is the unceasing, asymptotic approach of an end that will never come, a deathless eternity of naked consciousness. No. I suspect I endure out of blessed purpose. I dream if such a thing exists, of a choice. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You stand upon the plateau of the mountains at the end of the world. The body of Adonai rots within. But you have a different task. I do not know what you will find in there, as he gestures down the mountain into the black forest below. All I found was pain and death. We may find the same. I'm so sorry for your loss, my friend. Don't be. Celebrate the man he was. The cartographer opens your hand and places inside of it a compass. But as you turn it, you see that the needle does not move. I take it we're too close to north for it to move. It never moved. I found my own way. I trust you will too. I'll place it on the large necklace around my neck that has the hanging bells, and what few bobbles still remain. As long as we stay together and don't find different paths, we should be fine. Well, you know that my fucking head's clear, I might be able to actually do something about it. If there's one thing I'm good at, it's tracking and finding my way somewhere. Yeah, I remember it didn't help them much, though, when they went in and they had a god with them. What do you think we'll find down there? Pain and death, same thing we find everywhere. 
not to sound disrespectful or nothing, but we just killed that god. Ain't we a little better set than they were? Maybe. Lost is lost, though. Aye, fair. Mm. In large part, it was the truth that killed that god. And that is probably what we will find in the dark wood. The truth of things. What do you mean? I learned by looking into that god's mind, secrets that had been kept from it. And I saw the axis empty. The destiny that he felt was his was a lie all along. And it unmade him. How tragic. I suppose the best thing to do is take the traumas we've just waded through and focus on the task at hand. Tear the bandage off, as they say. See what darkness awaits us. And what secrets are yet to be revealed. And as always, fate's hand will guide us. We're so close. We've almost done it. We'll figure it out together. Cartographer, thank you for trusting us. Thank you for bringing us this far and providing us what tools we might use to try to find our way further. I'm sorry if this didn't end up the way you wanted it to. It ended exactly the way I anticipated and exactly the way I feared. What will you do now? He looks back at the old church. I imagine there are still many disciples that are not aware of what has happened. I will do my best to teach them, guide them, show them the principles that were taught to me by my brother, both of my brothers. And the sanitarium. (sighs) He draws a still black bloody dagger with a skeptic symbol on it. I will give them what beasts they can find. Good. It's better than what they've been suffering. He bows, turns, and walks inside. And the doors close on the all church for the last time. Can I admit something to the lot of you? Now is the time. I lost my taste for mountains a long, 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 long time ago. I'd like to get much lower than we are right now. Uh, we should go. <laughs> yes, the sad truth of it is we can't prepare for it, because we don't know what it is. Somewhere down there, there's a tree that must be felled. As you make your first tentative steps down the mountain, you all rely upon the skills and nature craft of your friend Wusha. Give me a survival check. You got it. Forest is my favorite terrain. Really? One of them. I have several now. This one's my favorite. No, this one's my favorite. No, this one's my favorite. <laughs> I like so many forests. 27. Beautiful. As you make your way down, Wusha cracks jokes, makes lewd remarks, tells stories. A few laughs, some strangled, some genuine, are pulled from you. But as you make your way into the forest, you fear you will find no laughter there. The rich, dark loam of the black forest is damp and dense with rot. It gives beneath your feet as you trudge through the clinging topsoil. Despite the abundance and fertility, foliage is sparse and without color. Gray-brown kudzu of no clear species lazily climbs stunted black oaks. The close, shadowy vista punctuated with broken birch and leaning alder like white fangs at a mouth of an aged predator, too weak to bite. 
No green, no growth, no life. Bugs, birds, and fauna are few and far between. What scattered specimens you glimpse through the bent light that steals through the canopies are twisted and malformed. Ancient things in whom the gift of life has long since fallowed with no hope that youth might spring anew in generations to come. Not undead, no. For undeath, one must first walk beyond the boundary of the ceaseless and agonized being to be clawed back into the cruelty and chaos of life, unending. Instead, perpetuity without purpose, a life sentence without punctuation. We've been in the dark woods many times now. Do you suppose this is the first? These trees are older than any I've seen before. They grow hungry. Not wild, but eagerly. Things here have been still. Still for a long, long time. If this ain't the first, it's damn near close. I was serious, you know. About leaving the League after this. I would really like it if all of you at least considered going with me. The League. (laughs) How absurd that that's how this started. Can you imagine a family gathered around their scrying stone? To watch the five of us wander into these dead woods, the edge of reality. Like it's a show to partake. Another story to be told. It was a nice place, though. Nice place to belong. Nice place to call ours for a while. Sure, it, you know, whipped us and cut us and stabbed us and burnt us and what have you, but at least we had somewhere to go back to every time. We had reason and and, and purpose, and we had. It's hard to think about losing that, especially so soon after I found it. And what about you, Gaspar? What's next for Gaspar Aleph Not? I wouldn't mind traveling with you. Sounds like fun. It just seems childish to think about what comes after this, though when our very existence is on the line. But there's nothing wrong with being childish. That hope is a valuable weapon. I think that if we do make it out of this, I wish I could make amends for the crimes that I've committed. As you wander through the broken, overgrown cemetery of this erstwhile monument to life, you are overcome with weariness. Apathy creeps in at the edges of your spirit, as certainly as the certainty of your fate calcifies. You will never leave this forest, and if you do, no hope awaits you. Did anybody else feel that? I felt it for a long time, but it seems more real now. It's a bit odd. Usually I like to spit in the face of those feelings. Rebel. Seems somewhat easy to accept now. I almost might prefer it. What am I going to do when we're done with this? All my life I've been doing things that everyone else told me I should do. There's nobody left. No one to tell me what to do once we've done this for the gods. There's yourself. Nobody expects anything from me anymore. 
I look over at Iawas. Least of all me. Well, one cannot make you choose your own fate, but I hope you do. You've removed the shackles of the fate that was written into your skin. Now your path is unmapped. When Iavos says that, Wusha is going to reach back to his little memento of Hal and pull it free from his hair and hand it back to him. This is yours. I don't need to have it any longer. Maybe, maybe it's a part of a map. Maybe it's the first step out of here for you. Maybe it's a guide to what you should do next. It's weird to think about. This is all that's left of these. The rest of it all got crushed when they remade me. The only bit of my fate still inscribed on my flesh. And it's not even part of me anymore. You know, even proper jovial and light-hearted since I've been back, well, for a while. But I don't think the feeling of this place ever left me. I spent more time lost in the dark of these woods than I thought, through one firm or another. And I've been dragging it with me since then, accidentally sowing it and planting it everywhere I step. Do I even know a life without this feeling? Have I even gotten to experience that? Or have I just been covering up this whole time? <laughs> I think I know what you mean in some ways. It's infused in my home, my family, me. What is Nelly Isadora without the Darkwood? Don't stop hoping for your happy ending, my dear daughter. That is an armor you wear that none can crush. And it is the light that will guide any of us that make it through this out of the woods. Anybody else would have crumbled under the weight of this forest. We were the ones able to carry it. We were the ones who are now able to bring it to its finality. Perhaps rest. Fire, food, stories and song. Eat and make what merry can be found in so desolate a place. Sometimes, in the cold of the longest night, the fires of hope burn brightest. Well, I suppose there's always time for one more part of stew. I don't suppose you have any of that stolen libation squirreled away within your belongings? You think I would go into a suicide mission carrying extra dead weight? Of course. <laughs> very necessary. I don't suppose you still have that enchanted cup of revelry. You know, I do. I expected to lose it back there. Hell, I was even willing to offer it, but for some reason, kept hold of it. Well, if the Blackwood is part of us, and we're going to kill it, then perhaps we can celebrate the lives we had up to this point. You walk away as seeking a clearing, and that's when you find it. The heart tree. But it is not the embodiment of evil. It's simply a tree. Long dead. Your fate lies further on. But you cannot see the edge of the forest. It is infinite. And black. And getting blacker. With every passing second. I may be more of a 
seaman than a woodman, but I don't think I want to burn that. You want to set to making camp? I'll go around and find wood worth cooking. Don't go by yourself, Usha. Take someone with you. Alaphon. I think you could use the help. I think you're right, Yavos. How? you got good arms for carrying. Oh, yeah. You and I walking off together into the dark wood. What could possibly go wrong? Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should leave your weapons here. <laughs> Just you. <laughs> here in this place, as you wander into the dark, you do not feel the call of the dark wood. You do not feel its voice at the back of your head. You feel nothing. No command, no expectation, only silence. Finding fallen twigs and branches on the ground, gathering up dried dead leaves so we have something to start a fire. Wuxia is going to hand one additional thing to Hal. Wuxia offers you the long and golden tusk that he holds. I think you're going to need this. For what? The end. For later. I'm not sure I follow, Woosh. way I see it, in one form or another, you four can go. I only exist and live because of this place. I'm one of its soldiers, one of its dead. When it goes, I go with it. Huh. Well then. I reach towards you, but instead of taking the spear, I grip you by the forearm. I'd like to burn my other fourth level spell to cast Death Ward on Wuxia. (laughs) Where you go, I'll come and find you. I'm an angel of death, and war touches all planes. I can't guarantee I'll find you quickly. But maybe that's something I can do when this is all over. Find you and bring you back to the light. <laughs> Here's to hoping I haven't spent all my chances. Well, death will last for eight hours. Arvos <laughs> <laughs> sits shoulder to shoulder with Penelope, chopping whatever few meager onions and tubers he had squirreled away in his bag. I found a carrot. Oh, Thank the gods. This is going to be a very sad stew. You know what? Why don't you make this one? I'll watch. Uh, are you sure? I'm positive. I like yours better. I can tell when you're lying, you know. Magic eyes. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate that. I'll, I'll try my best. I know. Why don't you roll me whatever you think is appropriate? Fuck me. Use my dice. Oh. Mm. I mean, it would be cooking utensils, which I'm not proficient in. Do you think you can cook with the force of charisma? Mm. <laughs> not unless... Do we with your eyes first. Salt day. <laughs> oh, I'll do two separate rolls. How it looks and how it tastes. Okay, how it tastes. Mm. How it looks. It looks like a 16, but it tastes like a four. Mm. While Penelope's preparing the stew, I'm trying not to watch her too closely so she doesn't get nervous. Move over and sit next to Gaspar for a moment. 
Does your bag feel lighter now that that dagger's gone? Everything feels lighter. Thank you, Ayavas. I never told you, but I'm furious that when you got your body back, you had hair. (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of gets in the way. I'll take your word for it. But now again, Ayavos, thank you. You did what you promised. I don't think I could have finished anything else until I had. We worked so hard to find answers. We never really found the answers we wanted, did we? I don't think anybody would have wanted this as an answer. But it feels good to know. And it felt good to look for them. It felt good to find everything else while we did so. I have a lot of respect for the fact that you are willing to leave your home. I just don't know if I'll be brave enough to do the same thing. Iavos, where is home? It's near. If you'll pardon me, she's using cayenne when I told her to use paprika. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? When did grasses and stalks get so hard to chew? (laughs) After a few moments... Nellie approaches Gaspar, holding a large wooden spoon with some soup in it. Can you tell what this needs? I shoot a look of concern to Ayavos. Is this safe? While Penny's bringing you the spoon, I'm doing a little tinkering to try to fix it. I see how much tinkering is is going on. I'm scared. (laughs) Wink. (laughs) I'll take the sacrifice. Uh, Yes, let me try that. You don't take any damage because it's a soup. Okay, cool. (laughs) She stares up at you expectantly. Nelly, this needs a lot of work. Um, It is somehow milky and spicy at the same time. I was wondering why grass was tough to chew when you said it, but now I understand. It's become stone. (laughs) The addition of teeth does not make it easier to chew as well. (laughs) But Nelly, it tastes like love. I think it just needs to cook a little longer. I'll try that then. It's funny, you can unlock the secrets of the universe and something so simple can still pose such a problem. You know, since I've gotten my body back, having an actual tongue to taste and a stomach to get warm out of the few things I'm very happy that this was one of them I rolled a 27 to fix the soup (laughs) (laughs) thank you Ratatouille it is acceptable (laughs) the boys return and you sit down to a meal around what meager fire you can grow from the weak wet logs that you've collected Yavos's work has improved this stew somewhat, but you all laugh it off, knowing that Nelly did her best. As the night lingers on, and Iavos watches his dear beloved allies start to drift off, the weight of the forest and the long trail behind them, making them weary, he sings them to sleep, an old familiar lullaby. The Father's strength will till the soil Exchanging harvest for his toil 
The mother's care will ease the woe With arms to hold and hands to sew The sun will shoulder any load And learn the lessons of the road The daughter's strength was born of tears Her wisdom far beyond her years And child the third they couldn't save They speak the secrets of the grave To cherish life and heal with love The family's strength will rise above And though the pain begins at birth They ring survival from the Hey, champ. How you holding up? Dirk, what the hell are you doing here? How did you find me? Keen intuition and a can-do attitude. Really? Nah, I paid a guy. Did you know you can just pay people to do stuff? What a world we live in. Gotta say, man, you don't look good. I'm guessing the... Things got you pretty bad, huh? Did it occur to you that I was isolating myself for a reason? Warren, did I ever tell you about Pinky Bunsen? Lord's deliver me. He was my cat. <sighs> I killed him. Lord's Dirk! <laughs> Not like that. See, I wasn't always the bright shining bacon of wit and charisma that you see before you. It was hard to believe you got dumber. See, I love me some Choco Fluffs. I mean, I was obsessed was the only cereal that flavored your milk with fudgy flatulence. You fed your cat sugary cereal, and he died. Wow. You're good. I am. Was an investigative journalist. But that's not the point. He disappeared one day. You couldn't figure out where. You checked his damp drawer, his custom-built cat chateau, which was really just a box you decorated like a bad macaroni portrait. You even checked the places that he used to run to get away from you because of your extra special version of love. See, smothering neglect of his needs was often too much for him to bear. Fuck. You didn't find him in the end. Your maid or your father noticed the smell of the rotting corpse. And you were horribly punished for your failure. The moral of the story, at least, as far as you're capable of understanding it, is that sometimes when someone is in pain, they run away because they don't want to be a burden. And you're here to give me a misguided pep talk about how my life is still worth living, and I have people who are there for me, and love me. But in reality, when an animal, especially a social one, 
realizes that its time is short. It seeks the safety of solitude. You see, Dirk, for some of us, there is little comfort in companionship. Joy, sure. Fun and fascination and morbid curiosity, but not comfort. And when life has become pain, or worse, emptiness, one might... I realized I didn't have the energy to be cheerful or helpful or clever or good for anyone anymore. Least of all myself. What? No patented Dirk Brand shift of tone? No insightful get over its speech? You're not going to say anything. Hmm. Look, I don't know if I can take you storming off with hurt feelings. Nope. What then? Nothing. You don't owe me anything, and I'm not here to make this harder. I'm just here. But why? Because my cat was there when I was lonely. And no matter how much I needed him to understand me and give me what I wanted, most of the time it was just enough that he was around. Do you want to watch the scry? Yeah. I was going to say goodbye, you know, give you the space you needed and kind of let you do this your way. Hmm. You know I've got time enough to rot. I'd hate to miss the thrilling conclusion. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> I'm, uh... <laughs> I'm gonna run out for some snacks. You want me to, uh... You want me to get you anything? I'm okay. Actually, I've... I've never had a butter snooch delight. Why not try something new? One king-size butter snooch coming right up. <laughs> hey, uh... Warren? Yes, Dirk? You're going to be here when I get back, right? Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey all you cuties, Law here. Welcome to the final episode of Season 2 of the League of Ultimate Questing, Battle Axis. I'm not going to make some silly puns. I'm not going to ask you to join the Patreon or share with your friends, even though technically saying that kind of counts as that. I'm going to thank all of our patrons, every single one of them, for all the help they've ever given us and every dollar of support they've sent our way. It makes a world of difference. I'm just here to say, from the bottom of our hearts, that we hope you've loved Season 2 as much as all of us. And I want to say congratulations to Zach for finishing an entire season of the show. A lot of stuff has happened since we started this season, and it's a huge accomplishment for anyone. The world has been flavorful, the lore writing has been beautiful, the tone has been happy and sad and tragic and lovely. So please give a round of applause, wherever you are, to the Dungeon Boy, our Dungeon Boy, and of course the incredible cast of Season 2 for everything they've brought to the table, all the creativity, ingenuity, and unique storytelling, and of course the thank yous that can't be thanked enough. Thank you to Hedegar the Editor for editing for us for about four years now and doing an incredible job, and of course Bree Golden from Golden Stylus for the fantastic maps. And while I hope that your listening to Season 2 has been moving, I hope even more that your second listen is even better. That's enough out of me. Let's get you back to the Battle Axis. Greetings, friend chums and purchasing patrons. It's me, your forever boy and forever foe, Divinathan. Do you, humble wanderer in time, fear the end of things? Do you pout and petrify at the thought of closing a book? Does the completion of a meal give you sad bads and give em ups? Does a published program completing a circle around the narrative sun fill your heart with ache and swears? Well, fear not, fierce fandoms and thing lovers, for now there is the Scryco Chronopause Chamber, a state-of-the-art seal-em-up that will trap you and a family of one in a kind of comfortable, vibrating stasis, where time's forward momentum freezes like wintered lake ducks. Set a timer anywhere from 28 minutes to forever, and when your timer's up, you thaw out, back to the warm bathtub of normality, having minimal damage to your soul and bones. Now you've jumped forward in time, and there are new books to read, new fancy foods to enjoy, and more stories backlogged like a stopped-up lumberjack. It's the Scryco Chronopause Chamber. Skip the deaths of your loved ones to avoid personal woe. Leap to tomorrow year to see if any progress has been made, like the kind that matters. Or maybe even ride out countless forms of oblivion, still and quiet as a baby's eureka. Get your Chronopause Chamber right away! Today's tomorrow will soon be tomorrow's not yet. Scryco, we see the end of things. Pale sunlight seeps in through the cracks on the horizon. As the woods thin, feeble hope returns. Before you lies a pair of low hills, whose contours may well have been carven in strange eons from mountains whose names have been long forgotten. Huddled against the nearest hill to fight the bitter winds are two weary fields, enclosed by a fence of gray, weather-beaten wood. The barren farmland is a tangle of dead crops, long since fallow. Petrified crow sign and empty burrows 
tell a tale of a life before, but no longer. But it is the other hill that draws your eye, where once stood an ancient willow, weeping o'er the grave of a lost child, erupts an infinite colorless tower, whose root is thrust deep into the earth, windowless and without entrance. Jeez. Atop the nearest hill, surrounded by a small stone wall, is a one-bedroom farmhouse, leaning under the weight of unseen burdens. Its slender chimney has collapsed, never again to carry the smell of smoke or the hearth fire across the fields. The barn behind the home is the only source of sound besides the wind, the wheezing creak and clatter of rusted hinge and hanging tool. Beyond the doors, a shattered wagon lies defeated beside an old still and the skeletal remains of a single cow. Home, barn, fence, and wall, once lovingly patched and tended with what materials might be scavenged or clawed from the earth, have now succumbed to the ravages of time. As you approach the home, you see a small garden, herbs, and a few paltry vegetables, not rotten or pest-eaten, but desiccated by the strange feverish heat that looms between biting winds. You stand before the only splash of color to be found in this desolate place, the warm brandy red of the front door. To one side, an iron hook, where once a dinner bell called to a family without name. The door itself, aged to be sure, bears the dignity and strength of a relic exhumed from an ageless ruin. Lavos falls to his knees, not believing the sight in front of him. Hands shaking, eyes darting in every direction. No. No. Not this. It can't be here. They don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. This isn't it. This can't be it. Don't believe what you see. This isn't true. Nothing changes here. Everything's near death, but never dead. It should be a tree. Their tree! Give it back! Small arms find your waist. It's okay, Papa. It's okay. That's not my name here. What is your name here? It's dead, too. I'm sorry, my dear, I didn't... I didn't mean it like that. It's okay, Papa. Just... tell me what's going on. After all these years, hundreds of years, I won't even get to see them again. I had planned, from the moment you were born, to find a way to say goodbye. They'd be so proud of me. They would love you like I love you. But this, this sickens me. All beauty of this place is lost. You'll never see it as I saw it. We can still fix it, Papa. Just like we did on Eudaimonia. No one could ever fix it. That was part of its beauty. But this, staring at the base of the axis. 
This cruel pillar. It took it all. Wusha is going to walk in front of Iavos and offer a hand to help him up from his knees. We might not be able to fix it, but we can make it right. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> there's worse things than being dead. If it were me, I would agree. I'll let Wusha help me to my feet and stagger forward away from the group a bit to try to open the door. The mechanism turns and the door swings wide. The home is all but a single room. The smoke-stained mud brick walls are unadorned, save for a few small hooks where cloaks and hats hang in tatters. The kitchen is nestled in a windowed corner beside a fireplace and stove, now so very cold. Home to a rotten black cauldron, pots and pans rusted beyond use. Bundles of dry herbs pepper the floor, their desiccated twigs point down in accusation from above the cracked wooden counter, where once flour and scraps clung to every surface, now only dust remains. The dining room table spills out into the sitting area, set with six chairs, each of a different wood and make. The pale, spotted tablecloth, once blue, has been wrung gray by centuries of wash. Against the far wall, a small pair of hay beds, separated by a chest of drawers and a bookshelf with a meager menagerie of tomes, scrolls, all scrapped now. Dust. The only interior door is closed, a request for privacy that reaches beyond the lock it bears. But there is another door. Yes. A door you do not recall. The door to the cellar. I look back. Emotion flooded and washed from my face. Bewildered to my friends and allies. I... I... We don't have a cellar. I have us. I'm so sorry. We got you back to the acre. But we did not get you back home. That there's no peace in that. Gasper, you seem to be taking this well in stride. It's on your mind. Panicking won't do us good. This, this is a task. It requires work. We have to be working. I'll lean my shoulder and haul whatever you need. I wish there was more time for you to grieve for your loss. But whatever's down there must be dealt with. We should get into formation. We need to be prepared for anything. Move to the cellar. As you descend, the darkness takes you. Above, the damp earth writhes with pale roots, the veins and arteries of a tower beyond measure. Sallow, supple, weeping black sap as they crawl ever downward. Each step festers the air, rot and decay, the sweet scent of late autumn leaves. But there is a warmth here, yes, the sickly heat of compost, febrile and immense. 
The stone of the stair gives way to a tomb of desiccated earth, whose cracks and fissures seem to be rent in the fabric of the real. And there, before you, at the center of all things, a withered body, oh so familiar. Soft, frail muscle, and ashen flesh hangs loose from ancient bones. The filth of years clings to his naked form, as black sap drips down from the roots of the axis, which erupts from his belly. Yavos? Who's that? He he kind of looks like you. Are you the one responsible for this? What have you done to my home? In your tongue, I am Mentropos, Vorkaitus, Somnul. In the beginning, there was nothing. And in that bliss of oblivion, I was one and all. Until from my belly sprang chaos, I was unraveled. Every fiber of the void transformed into unknowable impossibility. Until from the infinite emerged order who wove chaos into time and structure. But when the last strand was woven, order began to decay. In the fullness of time, the whole of creation returned to me. And in the beginning, there was nothing. Thus went the cycle. Innumerable iterations, countless births and deaths. So it was meant to be. But with time and iteration, the denizens grew clever. Some occult few learned the secrets of the greater real and with profaned arts they preserved their knowledge and practices through the iterations. Though their progress was slow and sloppy, they had time immeasurable, and in time all things are possible. They began to resent me, fear me, and plotted to end me. With Foul magics and dark ritual they sought to make flesh the abstract of entropy, and by my blood cast me out of the real. They were the first casualties of their blasphemous presumption, for I am the infinite and the absent, the space between, the yawning black of the universe and the trend toward chaos. To end the cycle is to end all things. Such is the hubris of mortals. The real unraveled, unmaking the expanse of creation, I was cast out, my brother and sister, a kaleidoscopic umbilicus of all that might be, could be, and never will be again. Adrift, without time and without purpose, entombed, helpless in the flesh, I grew content, surrendered to my fate. I could not imagine the horror to come. 
we cleft through a breach in the skin of a new infinity. In that instant I dreamed of a future. I wished to be returned to the cycle, freed from the flesh. I reached out into the abstract, searching, desperate for my counterpart in this place. But there was none. It did not begin all at once, a subtle thing. Imagine, if you will, a whole integer between zero and one, a number that could not possibly exist. Now comprehend a system that hinges on one following zero. What would happen to that system should this obscene number propagate? I was a virus in the fabric of the greater real, an impossible factor in an equation of the cosmos. This perhaps could have been survived, and yet I was not alone. My siblings are a part of me and I them, and they were at home in this universe, tainted expressions doing what they must. It began with chaos and order. With every swing of the pendulum, some small portion of the energy was lost and flowed into me. Every exchange, every rounding of numbers, some small portion disappeared. Surely the cots would see. Surely they would sense my presence and end me as I should have been ended so long ago. But the numbers in the system cannot see a number that does not exist, at least not until it's too late. To be witnessed by any abstract was to taint them irrevocably. It was those closest in nature to oblivion, to the dark that were infected first, the demons of chaos, the undead, the creatures of the shadow. Once the process began, it could not be stopped. I comforted myself in the certainty that abstracts could not be destroyed, that so long as there were mortals to dream of it, reality would persist, until the first soul was consumed. My siblings, my precious brother and sister, they knew not what they had done. The root of the tree does not choose what it collects any more than the trunk chooses to grow. Matter became manifest, the first floor of the tower, but not the last. My dear sister, she always loved the souls of mortals, always made spaces for them in the grand design even after their demise. But she could never understand the difference between heaven and hell. She could not know that my restless eternity would poison their souls, that my hopeless insomnia would be the theme of their new heaven. The tower grew as we consumed, but the end did not come. As reality collapsed around us, we once again were set adrift, the tower a splinter 
waiting to infect anew. I do not know how many realities have been consumed. I do not know how many souls reside in the tower. But I do know what will happen to this place. The astrum, it is always first to die, and with it the abstracts. The gods die first, you see. Some few would live on in the souls of mortals, but in the end, they too will be consumed, fated for the tower. Then the aether, in fits and starts, flowing from the outer reaches of the materium, then the matter, but so slowly, so very slowly, slowly enough that the remains of the first worlds to fall can be found suspended in protracted digestion. All that I touch will be consumed. You stand upon my accretion disk. What? And I fear your fate may be no different, unless you succeed where so many others have failed. Okay. I thought I was ready for anything. I was not ready for this. I'm going to kneel down by the body and take it by the hand, looking it in its dead eyes. The machinations to end all the cycles. It happened here. Would you have it remain still to wither and die? Or would you have the cycle start anew? I do not have that power or that choice. I know of only two choices, but then I was never so creative as the lowliest mortal. You must understand that when I chose you, I thought I was saving you. So cruel a home, so painful a life. I thought for a moment that I, the least of the children, could give you something good, something blessed. I never imagined uh, that, it is, that this is how it would end. Ah, uh, you, you are my scion, what? and I wished only for your happiness. Uh, one thing, if nothing else, that I had done right. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> you were never the lesser sibling. And while you may have taken some homes from me, you also gave me a new one. I, I don't know if I should curse you or thank you. I am cursed enough, and I do not require your thanks. I sought something in you that I was denied. A home, peace, however long I could offer it. And a choice. Yes, yes, choice. Oh, wonderful choice. I always, who is this? Is this... Is this child the third? Is this... That is a simplified way of visualizing what was shown to me. But this is something far greater than that. He looks... so much like you in so many small ways. Perhaps I was made in his image, in a way. But does he look like what we came for? Not him, but this brushing my finger against the base of the roots of the tower. This 
is where it spreads from. This is the pin that holds the destruction in place and lets it grow. Wait, I'm confused. Why? If this is the origin of the battle axis, why here? Why in your home? Because after all these years, I always thought the Withering Acre was my dream. But it was his. And you, you, are my dream. Yes, the Dogwood, the universe must make sense. Every iteration has to uh, be trackable. And uh, the Dogwood is the manifestation. It is simply an embodiment of the sickness. It is not uh, willful. It is an accident. I'm so sorry. Oh, so sorry. I meant to give you a better answer, but that is all I have. It's all you will ever have. Uh, everyone seeks to make sense of what they see. Oh, the tragic creatures of death beyond the walls, beyond the gates. Uh, they believed uh, that I was some kind of uh, uh, true god. Oh, and the poor creatures of the old church. I watched as they accelerated the process of the death of all things, believing that somehow they could uh, overcome me through consumption. Uh, foolish. I know what they don't know any better. What is choice, then, after all, without all the information? And none could have it all except me, a creature without choice. So even chaos wants to make sense. So, what were these choices you spoke of, and why can't we just make our own? <sighs> you, of course, can do whatever you want. I am helpless to stop you. But I have given you a gift. He looks at the plowshare at each of your weapons. You see, I have done some work of my own. To spread ideas. Uh, death and the void. I have impregnated this place within. Through you, my oh son, too, too presumptuous, too presumptuous. My scion, I have, you have been my emissary, an embodiment of me, and where you exist, her. Uh, I must be capable of death. You are mortal, and I am tied to you, therefore I am mortal. Mm. Yes, so, with my power, you can kill me. Yes, you can kill me, and all who I have touched, and it will sunder so much of your world, and for that I am so sorry. But I will end, and it will end, and the cycles will stop, and we can be free in nothingness. Uh, forever. Oh, yes. Forever. Oh, oh. You can leave. I cannot stop you from leaving. Uh, forgetting me here and perhaps in time, endless eons, this world will die too and I can try again. Wait. What do you mean by... Everything you touch. Are we going to be 
chasing down darkwood seeds forever. Oh, no need. Oh, no need, my poor child. Uh, With my end comes yours and that of all I have touched. Are you fucking kidding me? So, either many things die quickly or all things die slowly. Yes. Yes, and then so much more after that. If only it were just so simple as this world to die. Oh, but so many more. So many. So many. Does that include eudaimonia? Does it include my family? Does it... Does it include... Us? I'm so sorry. I never meant for this. It was... It was them. The mortals, they... They stole my... uh, Options. They took everything from me. It was the mortals. They stole my choice. What little choice is left to a being of abstract? They took it from me, and now I lie here, helpless. I did not mean for this. We cannot end the cycle. That would lead to the end of all things. So wait, let me get this straight. If we leave you alone, the cycles will slowly break down. But if we kill you, everything that you have touched, everything turns to nothing, which is the natural cycle. So after that nothing, there will be something. Chaos. No? No. With my death comes end. This universe is not built to contain me. If I die, they die, and you die, and all ends in peace. But no, this is not a universe for me, and never will be. This is a moment of choice. Each of your characters has agency in this. I, as the creator of this season, have no choice here. It's all up to you. And if one of you decides something that the other doesn't agree with, it'll be between you. Wusha furrows his eyebrows, nods his head. That look in your eyes is so strange, Wusha. Are you... are you okay? Every time I've been around a problem, I've been able to give something up. Part of me. Something important to solve it. And for the first time... I ain't got the solution to this. Nothing left in me can make this right. Walking over to where the body is, Wusha is going to start climbing up into the roots. I'm doing the only thing I have left to do. I'm, for once, making myself part of the solution and not the problem. What? Solution? It's lose-lose. I say we go. And let it play out on its own. We can enjoy the rest of existence together. Kick it down the line. Let someone else worry about it later. Haven't we taken enough responsibility for all of this? (laughs) I haven't even started. I didn't know until recently. I, I I am part of the thing speeding up the process of all things dying and falling apart. Who shall we all are? The dark would used you wherever water would go. Used me for whatever was behind locked doors. 
used penny for wherever happiness could be found, hal for wherever wars would be fought, and I always into every home. Every single one of us carries the dark wood. So you agree with me? We need to be stopped. Now here's where I begin to question. Walk towards you, skeptic's dagger in hand, copper piece in the other. I don't believe him. Fuck it, we flip the coin. <laughs> <laughs> Two choices, heads and tails. Is that really your solution, Gaspar? Look, Wusha, if Paraftara were here, she would agree with you. She wouldn't have a choice. But I do. I want to go steal tater flakes and get up to other kinds of mischief. I want to live my life. I want you to live your life. I did. More than I deserved. Wusha. You deserve so much more than this sad old man in a cellar. It's touching that you think and feel that way, but I don't agree. So the, the problem that we're having is that you're here and you're not supposed to be. Yes, and that I have woven into so much of your world. And your presence is what's causing the Darkwood? Yeah, uh, yeah, the Darkwood is a side effect, uh, only the most meager of things. It is like a child uh, looking at the cough and imagining it as the cold. Right, but the Darkwood is a side effect of you being here. Yes. And if you weren't here, then the Darkwood would go with you? Yes, and every other thing that it has touched. That sounds like something somebody would say if they didn't want to get stabbed. Oh no, uh, 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 no, imagine uh, for a moment, if you will, the horror of my existence. Please kill me. I beg of you, I do not want to watch another opportunity slip through my fingers. I would die now and watch you all die with me if it means that I do not cause any more of this suffering. I, I can't do this again. I cannot do this again. I, I liked to imagine that the Singulars were such uh, paltry creatures, but you are living in constant agony of choice, and I am helpless here. Oh no, not like this, not again, not again. You said that mortals stole your choice? Yes. A cult. A cult of the deathless. They insisted that I was the cause of all suffering. And that with my death, chaos and order could reign supreme at war with each other, but never trending to nothingness. They thought that killing me would kill death, and all it served to do was bring about something worse. Our roads did not lead us here for an ultimatum, especially one of his design. I have an idea, and it involves us getting a little creative with our options. <laughs> yes, yes, please. Please. And if it does not work, I will kill him myself. <laughs> yes. Let's not be too hasty. Everything is still on the table. What if the universe uh, had more babies or something? Those are like Astrum factories. <laughs> <laughs> what I wish to do, to me, seems like it may 
There's no happy ending here, but the story's much longer if we can write it ourselves. This poor soul made me, designed me in some image, some solution to all of his problems, robbed from my life, destined to wander through reality and dreams just to find this place again and make the choice for him, the one that he cannot. And I have one I would make, but I will not make it if my friends don't trust me. I don't believe in him, but I avos. I believe in you. Then Gaspar, give me the mask. Are you sure, Papa? Are you strong enough? I'm not sure you understand. A, a wish, it can't make something untrue true, or the opposite. And You can't wish for anything. It's only as strong as the will of the wisher. And if it fails, then we're right back where we started. Wusha will get down from the roots, looking heavier than he has previously. He'll stand next to Iavos and not put an arm around him, but lean on him a little bit. He said it before. I'll say it till I'm done. It's good for you. It's good for the crew. I trust your choices. I... Trust you too, Papa. I hid the mask underneath your spare soup pot. So I had it all along. I'm not envisioning a happy ending. I don't know if that's possible here, but these words feel good on my tongue. And after everything I've been through, that's all I have left. And if I'm not strong enough, then hopefully some good will come of it. Gaspar, I'm very glad that I could keep my promise to you. And I'm glad you're free. And Wusha, you are not how you were made. You are so much more. I thought there was power in family, but you've shown me that friendship is just as strong. And Hal, you've broken free of the prison of the lines in your skin. And I hope the fate that you earn is one that you find worthy of yourself. My daughter, I reach into my robes and I hand you a book. <laughs> Opus. He's yours now, regardless of what happens. And however many forms you take, you'll always be a goddess to me. No matter what happens, all of you know how much I love you, right? It's one of the few truths I still believe in. From here to any shore, Nelly. In a place like this, it's the only true light. Taking the mask of the Adrohai out of my bag. I'm going to lay my hand on the base of the battle axis. The origin of the dark wood and the prison of this poor soul. I place the mask on my face. I wish for you to give back everything you've siphoned from this world so the cycle can heal anew. As the wish leaves your lips... You are suffused with the psychic impressions of untold billions, as those whose lives hang in the balance watch from afar. The blessings of the gods, those beings whose souls are the very fundament of the universe, lend their strength that your words might ring true. The abstracts from beyond the confines of their infinity, beyond the space 
time and matter of this dying place. Reach out with a vision of the home that was lost to the hubris of mortals. Energy beyond comprehension weaves through you. Attention begins to rise, building and building. A pressure beyond measure, too immense to bear. Cracks form as your physical body reaches its limit, your mind and spirit soon to follow. Through the cracks, gouts of radiant light and blackest shadow scorch and tear at the fabric of the real as the limit is reached and breached until finally, blessedly, it ends in silence. In the beginning, there is nothing. What bliss. What rapture. The unity and peace of a rest without waking. But in that death of sleep, what dreams may come. In time, the pregnant silence of the void might burst into primordial chaos. The febrile heat of infinity spilling out to fill a volume without end. But oh, what wonder can be seen within that chaos. Shapes giving birth to color, to context and contrast, order forms in shapeless imagination until at last, life. The purpose without purpose, clumsily grasping for meaning and definition, raw, Desperate intentions clashing and receding. What beauty, what pain, what wonderful, horrible beginnings and ends. I leave you to imagine a world reborn, destined perhaps for the same fate, perhaps something new, but never to be seen or known by those beyond it. But for now, in this blessed beginning, there is nothing. Dream, if you will, of a farm, neither withered nor abundant. A father sits upon his porch as the last red rays of sunlight form upon the horizon. His blonde hair falls across his eyes as he takes in the beauty of the life he has built. He looks down upon scarred palms, warriors' hands. Upon their backs, the inks of his people dance in sacred geometry, telling tales of heroism and hope. Kinder hands encircle them, rich, bright brown, the color of cinnamon. Scarred as well, the wounds and calluses of the huntress. Emerald eyes like temperate forests meet his with a smile and a beautiful question whose answer we can never know. A daughter, the spitting image of her mother, crawls into his lap, a book twice her size in tow. She reads strange words to a father who can never dream of understanding as he smiles and nods his way through her explanations. She dreams of libraries, discoveries, of secrets and stories, 
her every question, the first of many to come. A voice without words rings out in the joy of homecoming, as the sun returns from the seas, with tales on his lips, of lands afar and beasts below. His smile is the shore, waxing and waning, but never gone from his lips. His eyes are the skies, a storm on the horizon, and his heart is the ocean, vast and alive with wonder and abundance. His smile broadens as the tripwire snaps, sending a clatter of stones against his leathers. In a flash, a wooden dirk is at his throat, the smallest highwayman to ever have lived. A mop of blonde hair falls over the kind eyes of a boy whose tricks would never cause any true harm. The third child may be sickly at times, fevers and chills coming and going, coughs and sniffles ringing through the home. But there is strength, too, of will and of mind that grow with each passing year. A bell rings. The mother's quarry roasts upon the fire. Mouths water and legs make their weary way to the dinner table as the last rays of the sun fade into twilight. But before the door can close on this dream of things that yet may come, a mother calls to the fields, a name which we all know well. From the rose, a child stands, his brow and hands blackened with field ash. As he heeds his mother's call, a snap of twigs draws the eye. He scans the border of the black forest, which he is forbidden to enter. And there, amid the underbrush, cast in fading light, a fallow deer watches with eyes of gold. A final impatient call pulls his attention, but when he looks back, the silent guardian is gone. But ever she watches as the child runs home in the gathering dark. Let's all take a sec. (laughs) This Stardew Valley RPG goes hard. (laughs) (laughs) To say I didn't know what would come of that is an understatement. Right? Uh, yeah. I had several endings drawn up. Uh, that was the good ending. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a pretty, I mean, in the, in the grand scheme of things, it's a pretty good ending. And the rest will be on Patreon. <laughs> <sighs> no, those need to be burned and deleted. <laughs> you never know. Our little gift to ourselves. No, they need to be, um, they need to be cap- time capsuled. Yeah, time capsuled, and then auctioned off somewhere down in the future when when they're extremely valuable. In four hundred years, when someone digs up Zach's backyard, if you nick in a farm, when when the LUQ is basically currency. Yeah. <laughs> How many quint will it be worth? So let's let's get real for a sec, because obviously the crux of this episode, and I dare say the narrative of most of the story, comes down to big choices. Oh yeah. Yes. Um, I only because I felt like it was a guided hand did I try to make the final decision but like did it seem okay I thought 
honestly, I thought you were the only person who could make the final decision. Mm-hmm. Not that we weren't allowed to. The The only way that this story, that this narrative all makes sense and all ties together is Ayavos having the last decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think it would have been satisfying if it came to came to blows between characters, mm-hmm. no. ultimately. Uh, and I think as long as everyone got to have their say. Yeah. Yeah, it, totally. it made sense to me. I just, as long as everyone was on like, on the same page, you know, I, I never want to make, I, I felt like, uh, obviously I knew that it was going to end with something big and cosmic. Like that's just, that's yeah. all that could happen. But the idea of telling it to give it back. Just imagine, imagine it just ends just like, yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> I but was I mean, really worried his wish it, wouldn't be something I could use. Yeah, like. uh, <laughs> but like the idea that like you know either kill the guy and it breaks the cycle and then everything kind of falls apart, or we let it ride and everything slowly decays. I, I thought a different option of being like give it back, give it back and let it heal itself. Yeah, because like, even then, if it was like a fairly long existence of everyone to get yeah. to keep going and uneat the tater flakes. <laughs> It's perfect. And and in a way that is definitely I'm, I'm very satisfied and, and emotional by the ending. So in a way it definitely kind of did. I like that. I just wanted to make sure that that felt okay. If I, didn't it helps. Want to, I didn't want to waste that on something dumb. If it I helps, the interpretation I had of what you asked mm-hmm. was to let the cycle fix itself. Yes. Which in my mind recreated their plane mm-hmm. on you. Mm-hmm. That was sort of my I mean, idea. Nothing, was... nothing about the narrative didn't fit the wish. Yeah. But just so you all understand. All future seasons of the LUQ <laughs> will have a a, a three dimensional alignment <laughs> access where you have good, evil, law, chaos, entropy. order, and entropy. All so, <laughs> just so you understand, this didn't save the people who were touched by Entropos, but they are now in the potential of the universe that he is now a part of. They are a part of him, which means they are a part of that universe. So, you'll never know what happened to the universe of the Battle Axis, and we will never know what happens in the universe to come for the universe of Entropos. Just wanted to let you know. Oh, for sure. This is a dream. What would have happened? My other idea. Other, one idea was, like, make space in this cosmos for this god so that he's not a toxic force anymore. You can't create an abstract. Okay. He doesn't belong here. Okay. There's nothing you could have done to could fix that. Could we have just banished him back to his original plane? His original plane is is inside of him. He's consumed it. Okay. Um so you couldn't have banished him to the original plane, but you could have cast him out uh, into the void again. Uh-huh. But it would have taken all of you with him. Not Got a it. cosmic prolapse. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I had thought, I, w- I walked my head through all of the possible wishes you guys might have chosen. Sure. The most probable ones. Yeah. And in my mind, the only one that made any sense was the idea of recreating their plane anew in the void. Um, and I had hoped that somebody would get it. And the fact that you just fucking it. I was like, I even told Bree, I was like, I'm not going to say a goddamn thing. They will have to make this decision for themselves. And if nobody remembers the wish, if nobody realizes that they have literally the glory of the entirety of the universe available. Also, I foreshadowed your uh, your destruction with uh, Sarge saying, like, you can't just summon an unlimited amount of glory. There are limits to what you can do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I was I, I knew we had the wish. 
my suggestion legit was just going to be like, well, he's not native to this plane. Can we just rotate 43 him and just bounce him? Like, so let's use, let's use the thing we did in chapter three on the final. <laughs> he is in fact native to the plane of error. Okay. The, right. the plane of error. So technically the demi plane of error is the remnant of the plane that he came, that he brought with him. Okay. It is also the remnant of every plane he has consumed. Sure. Um, it is the accretion disc. Like a, a an anchor that's collected sea filth. Not surprisingly, which is Wuxia's Hal penis. didn't pick up on that. Yeah, that's fair. Not fully. Yeah, I, I'm also glad like it didn't come to like blows or anything. A little a little contest at the end is definitely very good. The only thing I think might have happened is if Gaspar wouldn't give me the mask, I might try to like hold person him or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I think if somebody had tried to kill him and somebody else trying to stop him and then like getting into like a weapon lock where the, where somebody's like contesting over it that would have been interesting but y'all That's basically y'all, what happened we yeah we did that just verbally yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we didn't actually draw I weapons that. but our 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 ideals what we what we find important what we identify as ourselves were locked together until a decision was made you was all cool. played your characters perfectly yeah the good news is doug is no longer dying <laughs> doug is, is that dead? good news <laughs> no, he's been returned to the potentiality of the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Can I share what I showed to Michael after I gave him the spear? Sure. It was, I plan on having you run me through with the spear, then I can call down lightning to burn everything. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's all right. I also had my own ending to the season in my pocket in case we got handed, which was going to be... I was I was expecting a sacrifice to have to get made. I was expecting one of mm. us to have to die. Oh, I knew I knew full well y'all were going into this thinking this is <laughs> yeah. gonna be some season one shit where yeah. somebody could be like make some noble sacrifice. I'm like, you fucking wish. It's all of you or none of you, yeah. suckers. <laughs> no, I so, love it. I was expecting it to be Woosh and Hal who go, No, we're the tanks. Everybody else gets to live and we'll hold the line. Mm-hmm. And at the end, at the last possible moment, I was going to stab him <laughs> and banishing smite him <laughs> back to the other, you Skinawi. know, yeah, yeah, back to back to Skinawi or to Akrataria. I, you know, it's so funny. I asked, I asked Dana a few days ago, like a week ago, what did she think is going to happen? Yeah. What, like, what did she think the nature of the axis was? And she's like, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> The only thing I knew about the Axis was that Tongaroa said that there was nothing there. He couldn't see anything. Yeah. Okay. So that conversation did get me thinking. I don't speculate to Zach. Sure. Because <laughs> I don't want to impact the story. Because he uh, gets really mad to. when you predict things. Yeah. But yeah. I, I said to Michael last night, it's like, you know, every time that, like early on when we would enter the Axis, you always described it as, as uh, like entering through its skin, the skin, skin. of the Axis. I'm like, I wonder if this is attached to a living thing. Yeah, it's I said, literally the umbilicus. I said, I said, watch, it's a giant space dick of an unfathomably large creature. <laughs> mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you weren't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he did describe it as veiny and pulsing at one point. You know, it's sure. funny uh, you sure. mentioned the Tangaroa thing. Um, in reality, nobody, none of the, the plurals could really see the axis unless they were infected. Mm. And Tangaroa wasn't. Mm. Uh, he was one who would live if the world was destroyed, even though his plane was infected by it, he wasn't. Oh, okay. Um, I was keeping close track of the people who expressed, like, despair in a global and absolute sense. I was writing down instances of you guys despairing versus when you had hope and just trying to keep track of it. Good thing it fucking finished before that. Um, <laughs> I was trying to keep track of it because if it came down to it, I was actually going to potentially uh, base how effective your wish was 
on mm. how hopeful you had been. Mm. But yeah, like the just being touched by it isn't enough to be infected by it. Got it. Uh, it really takes despair. And so Tangaroa not seeing it, that's why. And, and I hope that was explained enough, adequately when I mentioned that it's like an integer in a system that they can't see. They're right. Like, this number doesn't make any sense. I don't know how to run it. I don't know how to use it. It's just not meaningless until it's too late. And then they're like, oh, it's a part of my system. Oops. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Everyone's Play-Doh. Zero's got to die. <laughs> so... I haven't written poems in a while. Mm. Um, I wrote a handful before before these episodes. So I haven't touched this since then. Would y'all like to hear the, the final yes. prophecy of mm-hmm. Nellie Isadora? Yes. 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 <clears throat> yes. The son became the father then and harvested his yield. With secrets sown on silent nights, the scion broke the world. <laughs> I nailed it. <laughs> nice. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I know we usually do like favorite moments. Mm. Stop me if I'm jumping ahead. No, no, go ahead. And I assume we're going to do that. Yeah, yeah, for today. I think this outro is very free form. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Good, 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 good. Yeah, good. I don't think we need to formalize it. Let's just talk about. I was going to say, like, this is a things. difficult one to try to do like favorite moments. Yeah. Let's just let's keep talking say, about the episode. Let's not say favorite moments. Just say, what did you like? Wait, let well, him just, cook. Let him cook. Just bear with me. Just, just, just prefacing. Just let him cook. Bear with, bear with. We've had a long and wild fucking road. Can we do favorite moments just period? Oh, uh, absolutely. Favorite moments oh, my gosh. we've experienced. Sure. Because like, there are definitely things I can pull from this episode that I loved and I thoroughly enjoyed and I, I will not forget anytime mm. fucking soon. But like, here we are at the end. Some of us, not where we expected to be. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think now that we're here, we can see the whole of it. We can see how it all fit together. And, and that might throw some other moments we've experienced into a new context. Yeah. Just a thought. Yeah. I did my best to foreshadow everything I could. I, so I, yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited to see y'all tell me about the stuff that suddenly makes sense now. <laughs> but y'all, obviously, if you don't have anything, that's okay. Y'all, including you, the listener, yes, in the Discord, which you should absolutely be in to talk about this. Yeah, I don't want to go first, but I definitely have mine. Yeah. Go for it. Nope. Angelo has to steal it first. <laughs> I have to steal it first. Okay. <laughs> all right, Angelo. Let me, let me, let me pick his lock. Let me. In all of season two. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah what's yeah. Max going to say well, yeah, well, for you easy. to steal? It had to be yeah. after he joined. That's right? true. So at least helps out a yeah. little I was in, bit. I was in a little more than half of that's, season two. Yeah, that's correct. Like three fifths. Okay. Okay. His face is less than half. Nope. It's, it's more. <laughs> I'm bad at math. Continue. Is Favy Momo. Favy Momo. Mm. You might be shocked. I'm, I might be shocked. Um, it was when Ayavos had to remake you or like recollected your 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 foam and stuff. No? Damn no. it. No, no, no. Wait, wait. So, so. This who, cannot be just people yeah, yeah, yeah. guessing each other's no, no, favorite no, no, no. moments. <laughs> I was about to say, who, who wants to guess Max's favorite moment? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Max? Wait, was that your, your favorite moment? Throughout the, I was just wondering. Like okay, it, it was, a, it was a, it was a good lore, like mixture of lore and character choice. And, like it, we got it food good, getting cold out there. Yeah. Max. In retrospect, putting everything together, my favorite moment is probably Corpus. 
Yeah. I've come back to it a few times. It was one of the, the well, it was the earliest experience I had with you motherfuckers. Mm. Yeah. But everything about that is suddenly put into a different wild fucking context. And I think is really interesting. <gasps> yeah. I think it's really fascinating. Yeah. Zachary Allen, Marcus mm. Golden. Michael. When we were in the the labyrinth, mm-hmm. <laughs> were all of the insane lives in those books, all of the lives he's devoured over all of the countless eons that he's been here? Some of them. <laughs> that is to say, that was some of the lives he's consumed. Right. That, yes, was, that was just a branch. That, yep. was, that was how they got there. Yep. Mm. I just put that together. I yeah. never. I, no, it's good. I, I wasn't here. I'm very happy about that. Thank you. I wasn't here for the Corpus <coughs> episode. That's true. And I haven't listened to that one yet. Go back. So, fun. yeah, I, I'll have to listen to that with my new knowledge. My character voice stayed surprisingly consistent. <laughs> uh, my favorite all-time episode for, for this season was Grief, mm. which was the first episode after loss when um, I got to play a child Nelly as the daughter of Iavos, um, and just like the the calm, almost cozy, just kind of melancholic aftermath of that uh, like season midpoint. It's important to note that when you killed Penny Dreadful and when you killed your mother, Hal, it didn't stop it. It just undid some of the damage and slowed the progress. It's like uh, cutting out a tumor. You can remove the thing that's causing the most harm and you can pelt it with radiation to try and like kill off the things that are eating it. But in the end, you still have an increased risk. There's still a chance that it's going to come back. And that was to me, grief was to me a, a perfect example of what that kind of false afterglow of remission might look like. This thought that there's no certainty that it'll go away forever, but you can find some kind of peace afterwards. Yeah. And I just, I really loved um, about that episode, not just the content, but how just slow and deliberate the whole thing felt. Like, we really got to sit in that episode. Yeah. It took a lot of time. And I got to have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> that is when that happened. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to pick a specific moment from the season, um, but I will say I think my favorite takeaway is getting to play a character like Iavos and having a DM who will give you that agency and rather than trying to tweak it, like, play into it very respectfully and... uh letting you really go nuts with the concept and, and really getting to do it. Cause I, I mean, I walk away from my, I was just loving him. Like <laughs> I felt, it felt so good to play him every time. I never have any like regrets about the things that happened to him or what changed. He's an easy character to love. Mm-hmm. You gave um, me the best fucking concept for this world. It was already like, it, he fits so well. It just nestled in. And I was like, well, that's perfect. That's <laughs> yeah. perfect. Yeah. Nah. I was going to say, can I ask, mm-hmm. you had Iavos's character concept before you were even talking to anyone else about season two. Entropos came first. Okay. Entropos was, came first. The was, nature of yeah, the Axis so was, was established like a month before okay. I got Iavos. Okay, okay. I was going to say, because Iavos was so seamlessly interwoven with the entire story of campaign two, I was going to ask how much of the character that he gave you influenced the world building yeah. of this season. I mean, it definitely influenced it Because you sure. didn't get, I mean, you hadn't even locked down the season two cast yet. Mm-hmm. I think you had told us there would be a season two. Yeah. 
and Law had already locked his character in, and you were like, none of the rest of you are allowed to lock your characters in, but he's given me his already, and it's perfect, and he's not allowed to change it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, what I do appreciate is how weirdly natural, scripted, obviously, I roll, um, mm-hmm. the everything kind of fell into place, right? It, with your main campaign idea of Entropos, and then your um, keystone character being Ayavos, who then just uh, kind of perfectly fit that gave it a house for it, and then all of Ayavos is like like family. It was it was really weird. You were saying like how each family member was kind of represented by a person on the other like on the team, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then it just kind of also fits so well that like a Penelope as a character then ties all the way back to Entropos, like as a, as a good starting seed. So mm-hmm. it was just a very well-built tree that all kind of accidentally fell into place. Yeah, all, all I got to say is... I'm not sure how much it was completely accident. accident. Uh, not accidentally, but yeah. Sincerely, yeah. thank you all so much for uh, when, when at the start of the session zero, Zach said, I'd like someone to play this thing called a plural that you let me call dibs. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, that has been a wild ride. And I've never played so many facets of the same character uh, and it's just been a really unique experience that I've really enjoyed. You enjoyed it so much. That, that you did look really it. fun. Yeah, <laughs> coming back with a new version of the same character. Mm-hmm. And can I give a special extra shout out for something that really made today? Mm. And that was dramatically timed rain. Oh my! God. <laughs> I was gonna say while we were building up to like the final decision and the guy describing like what. His choices were like the rain just fucking went so hard. When I said the moment I said the pressure building, the rain yeah, yeah, immediately yeah. got stronger. Yep, I'm yeah. like, yep, this is so. So I'm gonna try my best not to uh, clean up the background audio yeah. in this one, and maybe like see if I can give it a boost. Yeah, Fuck the yeah. fucking the fucking uh, heavens recorded just like <laughs> fix the first half, but don't touch the second half. Exactly, yeah. the fucking <laughs> heavens opened and just. God. It ended jet practice. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it grounded all the planes. Yeah, I, I could talk about this episode for the, <laughs> another episode's worth of content just because, you know, it's the, the wrap of the story. I know Zach really likes to hear the things that were like a big shock and surprise to us because mm. it's not, impossible not to try to make some kinds of like predictions while playing. I loved the one that hit me and really like helped push me into the scene of like, oh God, it's the acre was the willow tree being replaced with the base of the axis. That one got me good and I liked it a lot. I to me it meant a lot that uh, Entropos is the is child the third because he is literally yeah. the third child of this of the siblings. Well, this was never really there. It was just like a presence, and he's kind of creating the whole thing. Yeah, and so and that's the thing is is that in in his original home plane, there is some debate over whether Entropos came first or Chaos came mm-hmm. first, and the mm-hmm. idea is that Chaos really was the firstborn, and then Order, and then from Order came Entropy, and that all things faded to nothing. And that idea that he is the third, but also he is the only god of the three who had no influence on the world. He could not affect anything. He mm. was functionally dead to his people. And so as things decayed, he grew more powerful, but helpless. The idea of being a dead third child made perfect sense to me. Totally. And the thing about the child that there is, like, you never learn, like, was it the eldest child or was it the youngest child? Like, no. Not relevant. I fucking loved the opportunity to have each of you mimic one of the family members. Uh, I hope I hope everybody got that, but yeah. I was literally trying yeah. to. In case anyone didn't get it, uh, I'm the girl. You nope, were you the, were the deer. You at were the, the end. mother, the daughter, and the deer. Oh, nice. You were all three because you have so many iterations. Oh, I, I meant in the uh, in the Withering Acre family. Yeah, yeah. You were all three. You were the mother, the daughter, and the deer. Mm-hmm. You were the guardian. You were literally the plurality. 
because that's yeah. why you look so much like the daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the daughter looks so much like you. I was the boy that came back from sea, and also, little known fact, the corn. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I especially liked that, the idea that the mother and the daughter are two aspects of who Penny was. This, this, right. this embodiment uh, of her, but then the idea that the deer who watches right. the Right, I, I like that you brought back all three eye colors. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, just like I, I got chills during the wish scene and I got chills during the epilogue and it just it had big like our particular ending had big illusion of Gaia vibes. I never played it. Um, uh, yeah, that was like an Enix RPG back in the SNES <laughs> era. Uh, I adore it. Not many people have played it. For me, it was, it. It, was, it was rather valuable to have that scene feel like it ends with all of the family going inside. And then that last name being called. You think that's all of them? Wait. Uh, just this little boy covered in ash. And I'm just like, yes. <laughs> what I also really appreciate, this campaign has an end. Yeah. Yes. Like, th- it's not a, oh, what'll happen to them 20 years later? It's like, no, the story is done. There's there's a strong sense of metaphor here, and I'm going to leave that to the interpretation of the audience because mm-hmm. the the artistic intent is meaningless. My my intent as the writer is irrelevant, and I hope you can see some of what I intended to put in there. There's a lot of layers, and there's a lot of symbolism, and it's not all perfect. Whoa, Doug's not dead. Intention can't die. matters. I majored in English. Trust me, people will be dissecting your intent as the author for... <laughs> Don't don't bother. Your your intention and your views are more important. And one of the worst things you can have is a your intent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. I'm going to go around the table and give everybody their final credits in season two Battle Axis. My name is Angelo Kaluug. I played Gaspar Ilifnot, a phantom rogue who just wanted to be whole again. My name is Max Hobbs. Uh, you can find me at Dungeon Master Max fucking everywhere and I don't know, some some other places. I played Wusha Brinefather, the Risen Tide, who looked for a place to belong constantly and finally found it, whether dead or alive. My name is Michael Loving. I played Halifon Orison Jr. And I played Harithax in season one. <laughs> uh, you can find me on most social media platforms as Captain Mel of some iteration discord would be a good place to start <laughs> but uh yeah this is it for me yeah uh, michael loving will not be uh, returning as a as a consistent cast member in season three though no. i do fully intend to have you return as a guest whenever possible yeah you better so so this is for me for not quite the last time but the last time for a while me wishing you luck hmm. i am dana ebert i played penny farthing Pentecost and Nellie Isadora, as well as a few more minor variations of this character. She is the embodiment of the concept of innocence lost. And uh, I just had a very wonderful time. You can find me places. Most notably, we have our grand opening date set for TPK Brewing for no. October 28th, this the year 2023. Uh, and I couldn't be more excited. That should be only a week or so after this. Just about. Oh, that's ex- oh yeah. This episode comes out on my birthday. Hey. Happy birthday to me. Happy yeah. birthday, future Max. <laughs> uh, my name is Law. I'm the creative director of Slapdash. I'll be back in season three as a player and GM. And in this season, I played Iavos Isadora, the boy who sought answers in dreams.
And I am Zachary Golden. I was your dungeon boy. Um, now you're our golden boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, oof. This was a long time coming, and uh, it meant a lot to me to tell you this story and to have it finish so well. Uh, let's let's get a round of applause for Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe take our elbows off the table while we're. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were all amazing. Every single one of you was fantastic. You played your characters beautifully. Uh, you made this world come alive, and you gave me inspiration and excitement every single time I found it failing. Every time I found myself falling to the dark wood, the depression, the apathy, the exhaustion, the burnout. And each one of you at one point or another, and some of you far more than others, uh, gave me the gift of reinvigoration, of hope and excitement and creativity. And I can't thank you enough. Um, do you, the listeners, <laughs> believe me when I say I wouldn't do this without you? Um, you helped me pay for my wedding, which I never thought would happen. Um, you helped me pay my bills and you helped me pay my cast and you helped me do everything that I've done. And without you, it wouldn't be worth it. So thank you for listening to season two of League of Ultimate Questing, Battle Axis. Thank you, Bree Golden, my love, my definition for being such an amazing cartographer. And thank you to Sam Hedegar, the editor, for... <laughs> 200 fucking episodes or something of hard work. He edited the shit out of a season for very little pay. <laughs> I think he and law have to get married next year or next season. Right. <laughs> yeah. We do need to, to get all of the everyone in the family so they can't leave. There you go. <laughs> Thank you again. I hope that this has lived up to your expectations and I hope that season three will bring you every bit, if not more joy. And until then, I wish you luck.